What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today's episode features David Walker, a.k.a. DW, from the Falcoholic. And he's going to talk with me today about the opening of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium this week for the Falcons, as well as get his thoughts on what's currently going on with the team during the preseason. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I brought along my good Frimmy, a contributor to the Falcoholic, the co-host, or should we say the lead Gina Thomas Wrangler of that site's official <laughs> podcast. Uh, that is David Walker, a.k.a. DW, and we're going to talk about the Falcons opening their brand new stadium this weekend and talk a little preseason football. So welcome back, DW. <laughs> Thanks for having me back on, Aaron. All right. So, um, you know, I, I, I do want to say this first. I want to get this off my chest because I, I there's no such thing as me being positive. Um, I, I will admit I'm as cynical as they come when it comes to NFL stadiums and sort of based off of the principle in terms of their tendency to force taxpayers, even if they're not local ones in this case, to, to cough up money that sort of is directly related to NFL owners lining their pockets, including the great Arthur Blank. Um, but... I will be do my best to tamp down any negativity and all that cynicism that consumes my soul. And we can talk about the stadium, at least in a little bit more of a positive light, just because it is a really, really cool stadium. They built uh, Jerry World up in Dallas a couple of years ago, and now we basically have Arthur World now in Atlanta. And I don't think that's a pretty I think that's a pretty good legacy to have if, if you can have one. Um, yes. So I just, you know, as, as it is my brand to always be skeptical or, or cynical or whatever it is, I, I, I do have to get that off my chest. But let's uh, talk about uh, this upcoming stadium. You, you went on the tour last week. Um, right. I'll give you the floor and share all the, the wonders that you saw. Well, I, I mean, to your point. Uh, I think you do have to sort of separate the politics of the stadium from the actual stadium itself um, because I, I probably have very similar views. I'm not a big fan of stuff like PSLs and, uh, you know, the, the additional hotel taxes and, um, you know, billionaires just always seem to get a little bit richer every, every year. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, weird. it's weird how that works. I don't know. Weird uh, how that works, right. <laughs> um, but uh, as for the stadium itself, you know, if, if you disconnect it, uh, as hard as that may be, if you disconnect it from the politics, um, it really, it really does stand out as a very unique experience. And interestingly, last night I was able to go to another new stadium in Atlanta. I went to SunTrust Park, which obviously is a new home for the Atlanta Braves, and really, really cool experience. Um, but the whole time I was there. I just kept looking around and, and saying to myself, this is really cool, but this doesn't even compare. And I realize it's a different sport, you know, different type of feel that they're going for. But just the uh, the scope, the size, the 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 immensity of the stadium when you first walk in the doors, it 
I think I literally used the term breathtaking or, or uh, you know, something along those lines where you look up and it, it really just strikes you how much open space there is. If you've ever been to the Georgia Dome, it always had more of a um, industrial feel. It was very closed in in spaces, very tight walkways in some areas. Uh, God forbid you ever went to go get a snack or something during the game and, and ended up when everyone else was out there um, because it was like really cramped spaces. And uh, the Mercedes-Benz Dome feels it, the exact opposite. Uh, it feels entirely open and, uh, you know, obviously the, that was what they're going for with the architecture. But one of the things that, that I didn't anticipate that really jumped out is how much natural light just flows into the stadium. And they used um, this special kind of cloth that surrounds most of the stadium and it lets a ton of natural light just flood in. And it's something that compared to the dome, you know, you had a lot of the artificial lights in the dome that, that hovered overhead and it really does make an atmospheric difference when you're there. Um, and being on that media tour and just hanging out in the sort of the launching area or the arrival area, um, you, you know, it's it's not like the stadium or the field is hidden behind these series of walls. You walk in and it's right there and you immediately see this enormous halo board, which pictures and video will not do it justice. It is it has to be seen to be believed. Um and then the rest of the stadium, much has been made about Chick-fil-A and uh, you know the fact that it's closed on Sunday, you know, like it's closed on Sunday everywhere in the United States. Um, but the, the reality is, is the number of selections for food and, oh, so many wonderful selections for alcohol, which, you know, I'm a big fan of, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, you literally can walk out of any seat that you're at and every seat has a fantastic view but any seat you take a right or a left and you're going to find some amazing food options whether it's uh, Antico's Pizza which is a, a, a phenomenal pizza place here in Atlanta or Fox Brothers Barbecue um, or Jim and Nick's Barbecue uh, or one of those crazy weird donut places I mean there is literally everything um and so all of the stuff, and you know, this isn't usually the case, but all of the stuff that they have hyped up over the past two years that we have read and, and heard about, you know, that sounds like corporate talk, and it is corporate talk. You know, oh, we're we're doing these wonderful things for fans. Um, you know, these low prices for concessions after we built them for you know <laughs> thousands for PSLs. Mm -hmm. um, but it it really it's real, and and they're living up to the the hype from that standpoint. Um, and just the entire experience, the there is not a seat in the stadium where you will not have a clear view of a large portion of the halo board, um, where you won't have uh, you know a clear view of all of the the God, I, I don't even know how many miles of digital screenage they have in the stadium, but it's enormous, um, and it's just an impressive, impressive stadium. I would dare say, I think it, I, I think it may actually rival if not best what dallas built several years ago um and the thing i love the most about it is it's still right in the middle of atlanta um so when you look out 
you know, at one end of the stadium, you you literally see the Atlanta skyline, um, and and it's it doesn't feel disconnected from Atlanta. It feels like it really is right in the heart of Atlanta, which I know is what Arthur Blank was going for. Um, and and I'm you know, like I said earlier, you have to to separate the politics uh, and the the billionaire um, pocket grabs from the stadium itself. But for the Falcons and for people who are going to go see games in that stadium. It, it it's really going to be a unique one of kind of experience. I'm really excited about it, and I don't normally get excited about these types of things. But it, I was that blown away by what this new stadium is going to represent. Yeah, um, I, I do want to touch upon a little all that stuff a little bit further. Get into dig into the concessions, dig into the sort of the the in house sort of experience. But first. I do want to mention to our, our listeners, it's interesting that we're talking about stadiums, that there's a way that you can visit the stadium by uh, purchasing tickets on SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets with just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats and at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, the Falcons, or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just two taps, I can instantly find seats. Despite all my cynicism about the Falcons and Stadium, I was scrolling through the SeatGeek app earlier today, looking at the ticket prices for the upcoming games this season. I'm hoping my work schedule opens up later in the fall so that I will have my cynicism shattered by basking in the ambience of Arthur World. Thanks to SeatGeek, my potential ticket buying experience is made easier than ever because SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONFL today. That's promo code LONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Yeah, so DW, um, I do want to ask you about that sort of in-stadium experience because one of the things that I think is interesting, you know, that goes a little bit beyond sort of the politics of how stadiums get built, but sort of the, I don't know if politics is the right word, to describe it, but sort of the need for having to build sort of these state-of-the-art venues in order to keep get butts into the seats because the way that the home entertainment industry sort of has exploded over the, basically since the Georgia Dome came into existence 25 years ago, it's vastly different. And so when you're a fan, it's hard, for, you know, it's hard to justify paying the price to go to the game other than for the sake of going to a live game because not right. necessarily, you know, I know it's different. It's it's very different seeing a game live versus watching it on a big screen TV. But it is one of those things from the comfort of your home, you can get a great experience watching a game. So I do say kudos to Arthur Blank to sort of do everything he can to sort of make that in-game experience as great as 
possible. And it sounds like everything I'm hearing about the stadium, it sounds like that's going to be the case. Let's talk a little bit about the concessions, which they've sort of gotten a lot of pub with sort of the the cheapness of their concessions. You know, it seems like 90s prices. Um, right. the, the, the way, like, you know, I think the concessions when the Georgia Stone opened up in, in 91 or 92 um, were probably cheaper or barely more expensive. But it is one of those things where I think it's interesting that the Falcons did this because, like, the biggest hurdle to get into the stadium is getting that t- that upfront cost of the ticket. But once right. if you can get over that hurdle, I know when I would go to the Georgia Dome or when I would go to other live venues, and it, you know it's not something I do all the time, but it was always I was always mindful. Oh, well, I can only get like two beers because that's going to run me, you know, X amount of dollars. So I can only get like, oh, I guess I won't eat. You know, I'll right. eat breakfast and then I'll eat when I leave this eat dinner time. It'll be right. dinner time when I leave the stadium. <laughs> so I'll just get drunk and, and, and sort of be mindful that I'm hungry during the game or whatnot. But with the price of these concessions, it does seem like, you know, if, if, you, if you can get over the upfront costs, like you can just go in there and be like, I'm going to go buck crazy with the drinks and the food. Um, and, and you mentioned sort of um, how there's food and concessions everywhere. You know, right. there's minor controversy with the, apparently it was a controversy. I use air quotes when I say controversy <laughs> with the Chick-fil-A stuff. But um, I, I mean, el- elaborate a little bit more on sort of the value of, of sort of these cheap concessions and, and sort of the in-game experience. I, I, I'm even, that doesn't have to do with food. I, I'm hearing things about sort of the Wi-Fi experience and the yeah. and sort of, I guess the in-game mobile experience that fans are allowed to have. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch really quickly on both. You know, so where the food's concerned, obviously there there has been a, a ton of talk about that. Um, you know, you can buy a cup for sodas for two bucks, and you can refill it all day long. And everywhere you walk, there is a refill station for the for those sodas. So it's not like they they sell you these two dollar cups and like there's one central you know poor little coke machine in the middle of the stadium that everyone has to gather around they literally have like the the coke dispensers at every single corner so it's super easy to do um you know two dollar hot dogs four dollar nachos um i think it was six dollar beers uh you know it it really is living up to that and and you know they deserve credit for you know sort of breaking the mold there but i think from a economic standpoint they're just taking a different tact you know i think most stadiums take the tact of uh low volume high margin right so they they charge a lot more with the understanding that a a fewer number of people are going to you know participate and all that arthur blank and company are, are doing is they're going for low margin high volume so they're reducing their margin but they're expecting instead of you know two percent of the people to participate in concessions they're probably hoping for more like 20 to 40 percent of the people you know participating in concessions so um you know it, it's just a different way of making they're, they're still going to make plenty of money you know let's get that out yeah, yeah yeah I, I think he'll be all right i think arthur blank's gonna be just yeah. fine arthur blank is not gonna starve to death at the end of this year um but the you just mentioned it. I think it's – and it was a valid point to what you were sort of saying earlier about you know, trying to attract fans back to the stadium. Um, and you know, it seems silly, but the Wi-Fi experience nowadays needs to be top-notch. And the Georgia Dome was infamous for having god-awful Wi-Fi. Like people wouldn't even bother getting on the Wi-Fi. You would jump on it. 
and your phone would just crap out because you couldn't get to anything. Um, and, and it's, you know, for someone like me who participates a lot in social media, um, it, it's a big deal. You know, when you're, you're watching something during the game, you want to, you know, get your thoughts out. Uh, you want to take a picture, send it to your friends and family, post something on Facebook. Um, those are things that, you know, like you said, you know, 25 years ago in the Georgia Dome, they couldn't have anticipated that that was going to be a need. Um, and then even more so fantasy football. You know, when you think about Sundays, that is like the key day for guys who, you know, who have fantasy teams um, to keep track of, you know, how their team is doing. And that team may consist of players literally across, you know, the entire uh, swath of all 32 NFL teams. And in order to, to, to see that, you've got to be connected. Um, and the new stadium, to their credit, they uh, have made it virtually future proof. There are literally. 1800 Wi-Fi hubs scattered around the stadium. Um, they are on a um, huge backbone supported by AT&T. Uh, and they, pay, they, they basically guaranteed that even when the stadium is at capacity, over 77,000 people, every single person can be connected to Wi-Fi and have a fantastic uh, internet experience while you're in the Mercedes-Benz Dome, which is the polar opposite of what anyone experienced when they were at the Georgia Dome. And I think that will entice people to go back. I think the people who do watch, um, you know, the fantasy scores throughout the, throughout the game, they're, you know, they're going to be at the game more likely, you know, they're, they're not going to feel like if I go to the dome, like they did last year, you know, I'm, I'm basically out of the loop on my fantasy team until, you know, the game is over. Uh, well now they can actively engage with that, um, people who like to be on Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or what have you, you know, they're able, they're going to be able to do all that stuff in real time, uh, the way that they would when they were at home. So, uh, it, you know, it really does make a difference. And I think, um, those improvements, uh, are going to make sure that fans want to be, um, at the live game day experience and not just for being able to be there for the crowd. You know, it's, they're literally now, technology reasons and food reasons why it's those are no longer barriers so uh really good point i, I thought you made about the the wi-fi so that's it is it's funny it's how important that is to today's generations yes it is very important um and the fantasy football thing is very important because as someone who has experienced watching a lot of games at sports bars i always happen to sit beside that guy that's always like, oh, this guy's on my fantasy team as his, his head's on the swivel looking at all the different TVs or whatnot. I'm like, hey, dude, no one cares about your stinking fantasy team. I'm here to watch the Falcons. Shut up. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like that. Um, and certainly, I, I, you know, I, 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 even though I say otherwise, I, I am that guy sometimes. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it, it, you know, I think the stadium is, is you know, again, despite sort of my misgivings about sort of generalities in terms of NFL stadiums today, I do think the Falcons are doing a good job. At least if you're going to, if you, you know, if you're going to take that sort of cynical tag, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, take money out of people's pockets in order to fund the stadium, at least do it well, you know, and, and make the give back a little bit by making the, the in-house experience as entertaining as possible. And so kudos to Arthur Blake. I can only be so mad at him for making billions <laughs> upon billions of dollars and, and owning this football team and, and, and leading it to its greatest era of a success 
that has ever right. been experienced in my lifetime. You know, I, I can only be so mad at him for doing all of those things. Um, Let's, unless you have any last thoughts on the stadium, let's move on and talk a little bit more preseason. Uh, just one quick thought I want to get out there. You know, for, for people who are not going to be able to go to a Falcons game, definitely look at some of the other events that are going on at the stadium. You know, college football games, other things. Um, you know, Atlanta United's playing there. If you get the chance to get into the stadium, just to experience the stadium itself, it doesn't have to be for a Falcons game. Then I would strongly recommend you do so. It is it is worth it. So, okay, great point there, DW. Great point. Um, yes, other stuff is happening in that stadium. It's not just the Falcons stadium. Um, yep. Which is again one of the reasons why it's you know not as bad as uh, I I want it to be. You know, the hate the hater in my heart um, wants to hate <laughs> on this thing, but it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's other stuff going on. Um, and, you know, it is a sort of, I guess, a net positive, so to speak. Um, let's talk preseason. Uh, let's talk the Steeler game a little bit to get your thoughts on it. I know you were, you know, very drunk by the end, the second half of that game. Um, you know, once Tack McKinley got exited the game at halftime, you're like, well, there's no reason to stay sober for the rest of this game. And you just started knocking oh, back no, uh, there wasn't. whiskey. Um, and that second half was a very rough watch. It was just <laughs> oh, yeah. me with my head um, on my on my fist, just slumped over, just like staring blankly at the at the computer <laughs> screen as I was watching watching the stream online. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I know you. I know uh, everybody wants to talk about Tack and, and how amazing his debut was. But were there any other observations from the game that you you care to share with the listeners? Yeah, you know, I, I think for the first team. Um, a lot of people were are raving about the first team offense, and I just I don't want to get too excited about it because it is preseason. It's vanilla. Um, you know they they played one series. I'm glad they look good, but I'm not going to put too much weight on it. I will say the I did feel like Wes Schweitzer didn't stand out, which is a good thing. Yeah, uh, he you know sometimes offensive linemen to me are like. Um, air traffic controllers. If you know their name, uh, a lot of times it's for bad reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I like that analogy. Yeah. So uh, it looked like he was, you know, he he did his job. Um, he wasn't necessarily dominant from what I could see, and I was trying to keep an eye on him. And he just looked like he did his job, which you know, at right guard, that's sort of what we're looking for. Um, I did think that uh, Austin Hooper had a pretty good game. Uh, and, and it was really more of the small things. He, he looked like he was on the same page with uh, Matt Ryan and the big run by Teron Ward. He actually threw a fantastic block that, that sprung him for that uh, big run. So, you know, my concern with Hooper was less about his ability as a receiver and more how he would do in line. And I thought, you know, at least on that play, he showed uh, the capability to, to really produce in that area. So I was impressed by that. Um, I thought Reggie Davis showed uh, that he's definitely in the mix for wide receiver six. I know you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on that, but I felt like he did at least show uh, some top end speed that um, you know may be attractive to uh, the coaches as they start thinking about you know the long term. And past that, uh, I was really underwhelmed by the second half. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's an understatement. I it was I it, it was like waterboarding myself. It was that painful. 
Yeah, it was, you know, it's preseason, so everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt, including the second right. half performance. But it was bad football. Like, it, it just, there's no other way to – it was just bad football. And it, it's one of those things where, like, we as Falcon fans have grown accustomed to seeing very bad football in the second half of games over the years because typically oh, yeah. we didn't have great depth. And so I guess from that perspective, given everybody, you know, we all agree that the depth is better now than it ever has been, at least in, in recent memory, it is a little bit of a concern. Like, maybe the depth isn't quite – to the level that we thought it was going into the season. But then again, I, I do think it, it's fair to say that most of those guys were third and fourth stringers as opposed to right. guys that are, are like the second string guys that we know are going to make the team like the Rashid Hagemans and the, and the uh, yep. Leroy Reynolds and, and, the, and Duke Riley's and those types of guys as opposed to, um, you know, it's like the second string offenses. It's awful. I don't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I, I hate to say it, but it's just... It's like everybody that was on the team last year is fine, but if you were if you didn't play for the Falcons last year and you play offense for the team, <laughs> you're oh. not very good at this point in time. But you know we'll see how it develops. Um, Derek Coleman was standing. I don't want, I don't want anybody to throw shade at Derek Coleman. Um, I, I like I like Coleman. So yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of the the free agent additions, a couple of draft picks are fine, but like pretty much like anybody that is new to the team from yeah I, has been very unimpressive overall. Other than those receivers like Reggie Davis and like that. So um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, let's let's talk about Tack. What what, what are you? thinking with his debut and sort of um, seeing him, you know, the Falcons sort of really put him in advantageous situations. That's, that's not meant to take away from him, but it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, he was primarily a nickel guy. So he could basically pin his ears back, get after the quarterback, look impressive as a pass rusher, Mm -hmm. nothing to take away from him. He definitely looked impressive as a pass rusher. So I like the fact that the Falcons seemingly put him in a situation that he would benefit from just to get his beak wet, I guess, so to speak, um, as, as to have something to build off for in the coming weeks. Yeah. And I, I think they did exactly what they needed to do with him. Um, you know, he was going up against a a guy who arguably is probably going to be a backup in, in the league. And, uh, you and I have talked about this in the past. Um, you want your pass rushers to be able to beat those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and he beat them yeah, and, uh, he, he beat the guy in, in two different ways. He, he beat them with speed and he beat them with power. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's a building block. Um, it, it and I, this, this is where I get nervous because I know how, and I'm not, I'm not going to say just Falcons fans, football fans in general, <laughs> all take, sports fans in, in general. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're going to take this and extrapolate out. Oh, tax going to get 15 sacks this year. no, Tack is not going to get 15 sacks this year. He was going up against a backup tackle in a nickel situation and just, like you said, being able to pin his ears back and go. Um, that said, I thought he showed the kind of burst off the line that you look for in a pass rusher. Um, I thought you know, he, he, he didn't look lost, and his athleticism flashed. And that's sort of what you, you, know, you want to see from a rookie in his very first uh, NFL action. Um, you know, actually, the person who who stood out to me a little bit uh, on the the one particular play that everyone got excited about, where Tack did get there, maybe a split second too late, but you know, late the big hit on Josh Dobbs. Um, Jack Crawford actually 
blew up the middle of the line on that play. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what he may do on the nickel sets as well. And I think Dan Quinn actually pointed him out as well. Um, and he's sort of a forgotten man. You know, when you talk about our defensive line, you know, you think about um, Jarrett and Poe, and obviously everyone's talking about Tack and, you know, Vic Beasley and all the sacks he had last year. Uh, Derek Shelby coming back and, you know, some of these other guys. And Crawford just kind of, you know, his name has drifted down further and further away from, you know, the minds of Falcons fans. But I thought he flashed too. And uh, I was actually in some ways more. Uh, happy to see that because we haven't, you know, as Falcon Sands been able to see much from him. Uh, and he could be sort of a surprise guy that, you know, provides, you know, a little bit of extra, you know, like you said, depth on that defensive line. But as for Tack, very happy with what I saw. I'm not predicting anything like a Von Miller type season because it's the second game of the preseason <laughs> and that's just stupid. Um, but yeah, you know, it's for the first game, it, it was good. It was what you want to see. Yeah, and, and look, it, it's one of those things. I, I'm with you on the DW, and for me, like I said on the preview show I did on, on that I posted on Sunday morning, it was like four things, four boxes I was looking to see if Tack would check this week. And despite only playing what like a dozen snaps or something like that, fifteen snaps maybe. Yeah. Um, I think I thought he checked like two of them, and and that was the first step quickness. That was the bull rush. You know, the other boxes that I wanted to see if he would check was if he had sort of a counter move right now, but he doesn't. But again, you know, it's his first NFL game. Like Vic Beasley right. really doesn't have a counter move, and he's played, what, 25 games or something? In the, or no, right. th- 35 games in the NFL. So it's one of those things where it's like I didn't expect to see that, but I was just looking to see if we would see it. And um, whether or not he would be effective against the run. He didn't get the opportunity really to play. I think maybe one or two of those snaps really asked right. him to, to play against the run. So he couldn't really check that box. So the fact that in, you know, less than uh, a dozen or so snaps, he was able to check two of those boxes is certainly a promising sign. I like the fact that when he was going up against Ali Villanueva at the beginning, when he first got on the field, that he was able to use his speed and sort of get Ali Villanueva off balance. Now, Villanueva is a solid left tackle. He's by no means Tyron Smith, Joe Thomas level of player. And, right. and some of those guys like Smith, like um, maybe Teron Armstead late, later in the season um, and, and other various left tackles that Tack is going to face this year, David Bakhtiari, you know, whether his first step speed is going to blow those guys away you know, that sort of remains to be seen, but it was nice to basically see him go up against an NFL caliber left tackle and be able to use his speed to get around him. So that says that it's not like, you know, it's not like when we saw Jamal Anderson uh, in his first games and we're like, wait, where is that, you know, that combine athlete that blew the doors off the cup? Like, where is that guy? Like, he right. doesn't exist anymore. You know, that, that guy just died somewhere. <laughs> and, and so it's a slow footed monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I was promised that he was this Mario Williams type of athlete where that guy doesn't exist. What happened? And so it's, it was nice <laughs> for Tack to be able to, to come in and, and sh- basically not be Joe Anderson to William, which, which is pretty, pretty easy to do. But again, it's, it's, it's reassuring that at least so far Tack has done everything that we want him to do so far. And it's a process. It's going to take time for him to become this you know, monster in the league. It's not going to happen week one. It's not going to happen probably in week 10. It may not even happen in year two, 
But as long as he, you know, he's taking steps there and, you know, we'll monitor him as we go. And when he gets that first sack, we'll all go crazy. And, oh, my God, Tack is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And find me later, <laughs> all that type of stuff. It, it'll, it'll all come in, in, in due time. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his progress over, over the coming weeks, if not years. Yeah, same exact feeling. All right, DW, I do want to leave it out. Other than uh, watching people marvel at the stadium, is there anything you're looking forward to this weekend with the Falcons matchup with the Arizona Cardinals in the so-called dress rehearsal game? I guess this is the sort of game where the first team offense looking good matters a little bit more just because it's a little bit more sort of designed to try to put their best foot forward as opposed to just sort of going out there and just like, hey, you know, Matt Ryan, drop back. Find an open receiver, hit it. No big deal. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think it still it matters a little, but I I still think it doesn't matter as much as people think it does. You know, we always hear it as the dress rehearsal, and people want to use it as the predictor for how things will go during the season, and it so rarely works out that way. I try not to get too caught up in it. So for me, I'm I'm still looking at some of the specifics. I want to see. You know, when they have the starters out there, who's who's in there at right guard? Is it going to be Garland? Is it going to be Schweitzer? I still want to see where that battle is at, right? Um, obviously, with uh, Devontae missing the game, you know, he's been ruled out. Um, Coleman will probably get a lot of snaps, but I want to see who's after him. You know, they, they like to rotate those guys. Is it going to be Teron Ward? Or are they going to give Brian Hill some snaps behind that first string offensive line to see how he does? Uh, so that's a, you know, that's something I'm really intrigued by as well. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I, I just want to get out of the preseason healthy. Um, and I I don't want to see my quarterback lying on the field. I don't want to see Julio Jones limping off the sidelines. The minute I see that yank them all the hell out and put Matt Sims (laughs) and Matt Sims dancers back on the field. And, you know, so I am looking at some of the individual guys, some of those individual battles, and there are some players I want to see specifically, you know, like our draft picks. I want to see Eric uh, Salbert have a better performance than what he's had the past couple weeks uh, and, and stuff like that. But as far as putting too much weight on our first string offense or defense, um, I'm, I'm over overhyping the, the third preseason game. It's It has so rarely been a great predictor uh, that it's just not worth it. It's not worth getting worked up over. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that, um, advice is going to fall on deaf ears. So, uh, right. What you know that already. Uh, I've, I've, been coming. <laughs> I've been at this thing for a long time and it, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was saying the same thing eight years, literally eight years ago. That's hey, not a big deal guys. Calm down. But you know, it is what it is. All right, DW, I want you to give you, you have the floor now to plug, you know, that other podcast that may or may not <laughs> exist in the world and, and any other projects that you're working on over the Falcoholic. Yeah, so obviously you can find uh, our content at thefalcoholic.com. Uh, Kyle, uh, one of our writers, and I uh, did get to see the stadium up close and personal, and our write-up is live at the Falcoholic if you want to read more about that. Obviously, you can find the Falcoholic podcast on the site uh, with myself and Gina Thomas and a guest each week. And uh, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as SoundCloud. Uh, and look for our continued content throughout the season. Uh, myself will be uh, getting back into the normal swing of things of writing, uh, including our new Over Under series, uh, which we're going to be using to kick off the 2017 season. 
Okay. Where where can people find you on Twitter as well, DW? Uh, you can find my scorching hot takes on the tweeters at FalcoholicDW. All right, man. I am sure that you will be back on this podcast, and maybe, just maybe, I might be on your podcast and grace it with my glorious presence. <laughs> we will make it happen, Aaron. I All promise. Right. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on and talking with me, and uh, yeah. we'll do this again sometime. Awesome. Sounds good, Aaron. All right, man. Okay, guys. That's that's it. Um, you know, DW, I appreciate you giving me your time. Um, in the meantime, guys, um, if you want to send in your questions to get answered on the show, if you have comments or anything that you want to get in touch with the show, be, by all means, use Twitter. That's Locked on Falcons on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at FalcFans. Just let me know it's podcast-related as opposed to my general opinions about JT Jones and D-Ron Washington and their ability to make the roster. Uh, if you hate 140 character limits, then you can use Facebook. Locked on Falcons is the place on Facebook. Locked on Falcons at mail.com is the email address. That's a great way of getting in touch with the show and uh, avoiding those 140 character limits. You can also find the show on audioboom.com and falcons.com where you can leave a comment there where the show is posted daily iTunes another great place to uh, let your commentary your thoughts and suggestions be known please five star reviews if you can if you give me those five star reviews as you hear the clicking in the background as I'm opening up iTunes um, to see if we have any five star reviews I because I will read them on the air and giving those five-star reviews help more people find the show. And uh, apparently no one has given an iTunes review since I last did the read a couple of days ago. So um, get those things in, guys, and that helps more people find the show, as I just said. That's it. Um, this is probably the cleanest outro I've done in, in months. So uh, I will let it go. We will be back tomorrow, I think, to uh, talk about this Cardinals game. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit more. I forgot what I promised that we'd be on deck this week on the last show. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll, I'll go back and listen and be like, oh, yeah, we're doing that, too. So we'll, we'll get you guys prepared for this upcoming game, this Cardinals game on Saturday, and uh, have some more content coming um, the rest of this week. So look forward to it. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 
96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.